0: Hello, this is Ann Kimsey with the Alabama State Council on the Arts. I am in Homewood today with Jason Burns, who is a luthier, and I'm at his shop at Homewood Music. Hi, Jason.
1: And it's good to see you and finally get to meet you.
0: Well, so we've been working together some over the years through the Alabama State Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program, which is a program that gives small teaching grants to master traditional artists and craftsmen and musicians in order to pass on their traditional art forms to a new generation. So I want to ask you, so our audience knows what a luthier is, um, tell me what is a luthier?
1: Well I build and repair musical instruments and that's pretty much what a luthier is.
0: (laughs) So how did you get interested in doing that, and how did you start?
1: Well, I started playing the guitar when I was 11 or 12. Right around the same time, I I was the kind of kid that liked to tinker with stuff. I mean, I'm the kid who started off with Legos, and you just, that's what I did. So as soon as I started playing the guitar, I wanted to take it apart. I think I got in trouble for taking my guitar apart when I was a kid. You know, my parents are like, what what are you doing? (laughs) I was probably 12 or 13. I remember I also took my guitar apart and decided I wanted it to be a different color. And I remember watching, uh, I think it was on PBS, it was the Furniture Guys or or something like that. They were taking tobacco and they were boiling it in a pot and then they were using it to actually stain wood for a finish. So I remember uh, finding someone that would actually go get tobacco for me at 12 and my went into the kitchen I got a big pot and it was the kind of tobacco that you would break off you know like a chewing tobacco and then boiled that stuff up in my mom's pot tried to smear it all over the guitar it was not a good idea (laughs) it was just a (laughs) sticky mess and uh, so that was I guess my first dabble in some sort of repair work or with any of that but after that I was just hooked you know I I always wanted to tinker with a guitar as much as I like playing and it just kind of went from there
0: and so were you self-taught or when did you kind of formally start learning how to well how to make instruments
1: when I first started to get more serious about it I was closer to I was 17, 18, maybe a little bit older. I decided I wanted to try, to try uh, inlay work on my own, and I was messing around with that. I wanted to learn more about building. I was a big ukulele fan, and this was, you know, in the 90s. So ukuleles in the 90s—it's not like it, it is today, where. Ukuleles is a big thing, everybody's manufacturing them. In the 90s, you couldn't find one that played in tune unless it was an expensive vintage Martin or something. So I decided I wanted to build one. Uh, got some tools, gave it a shot, and then I would come down and talk to the only guy in town I really knew that, that did this kind of stuff was uh, Bob Tedro, which I actually still work with today. I would go into his shop and just pester him. (laughs) (laughs) Ask him this question or that question. And I remember uh, he was very helpful. I mean, he would spend a lot of time with me. But I would go back, go back home, and try to take some of the pointers and stuff, and then I would bring something back to him, and he would say, yeah, that's looking good, that's looking good. Then he would let me borrow tools, because he was like, "Oh, well, you're doing this wrong because you, you don't have the right stuff. And I'd come back, and then and then one day when I came in, and this was by the time I was, I think, 20, 20, 21. So what do you do? And I was like, well, I play in a band. I play in a band, and I uh, work at a recording studio some, but other than that, he goes, so you're just pretty much an irresponsible musician. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, why don't you come work here? <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I started working with him in the beginning, and he started teaching me all sorts of stuff from guitar repair to violins. I even started to learn brass and woodwinds, which I, I don't do very much of that today, mostly doing repair work. I still love—repair work's one of my favorite things to do because it's just a troubleshoot. It's something different every day that walks through that door. And you get to play a lot of instruments that you would never ever get to see otherwise I mean I could never afford to I still can't afford to have like a uh, you know pre-war Martin but they come to the door and I get to take them apart and put them back together and it's wonderful
0: what are some of the most challenging repairs you've done
1: well just when guitars are completely you know just crushed I mean, we've done a lot of that kind of stuff where our tops totally caved in and you have to reconstruct Uh, an instrument especially if it's vintage you know because then you have to really spend the time to 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 be precise then you have these I guess ethical rules you you need to follow because of you know you say you need to to kind of go back and use the same materials and finishes and glues that that it was originally built in and uh, try to preserve that because these instruments are just getting more and more valuable and they'll, they'll just continue to do that
0: and then you also build instruments from scratch. Right? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, that's where I was earlier. We was talking about. I got off on the repair tangent. Yeah, when I was in the shop, then I just kind of had free range to do whatever I want to. You know, Bob he was a concertina maker, which was like a squeeze box, kind of like an accordion, but it, but smaller. So Bob he built he builds concertinas, kind of like an accordion. It's a reeded instrument with a leather bellow in the center. So he didn't build guitars or ukuleles or anything like that. But what that enabled me to do was be in a shop with all the correct tools to be able to build. So then I would just build something very poorly and uh, (laughs) and then figure it out from there. It's like, okay, I have this now. It didn't turn out that great. I'll give it another shot and just keep going. Then around the same time, you started to have more and more information on the internet and I mean you know the internet in the late 90s early 2000s was as much information as there is now but you would start to see all sorts of of stuff it's like okay this is how you do this you can do that you just research materials and woods finishes and and figure out different new ways to do it. I moved from ukuleles to to building guitars And then eventually, uh, what I would be most known for would be making banjos, Uh, that's what I built the most of. That kind of happened on accident, I wanted to learn how to play the banjo, so I couldn't afford the banjo I wanted, I was in my early twenties, probably mid-twenties. So I decided I was going to make one, and I said, like, how much different can it be than building a guitar? I built a guitar, why not make a banjo? did that. Someone wanted to buy that one. I sold it. Started myself another one. Someone wanted that one. And then I think I got, you know, 65 instruments in. I still don't own a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> so, But it's okay. I work in a music store, so I've got them all around me, uh, you know, all the time. And then recently with Ethan, which is the guy that I've been uh, working with here at the shop.
0: Your apprentice.
1: Yes. He's into electric guitars, and that's what I was also into prior to making banjos and I've always played in bands where I was a guitar player. And so that's been fun. So we've been revisiting electric guitars. And then the last year, I've been having an amazing time going back to building electrics. I'm really excited about it. I'm not done with banjos, but but it's been kind of a nice break from, from making banjos. This is a totally different world.
0: Do you have customers that commission instruments from you?
1: Yes, that's the way it always was. It worked where somebody would call me, they would say, "Are you interested in doing this build?" And I would, you know, either agree or not. Whether it's to say, "Yeah, that's the style stuff I build," or it's not, you know, because in the banjo world, you've got old-time banjos, uh, open-back banjo style. That's the style banjo that I build. You have resonator banjos, which is going to be more of your bluegrass-style banjo, which I don't. But most of the people who were contacting me, they wanted an old-time banjo. I was building it in the style of, like, a late 1800s, early 1900s, S.S. Stewart's, uh, Dobson banjos, that style of banjo. If anybody knows what that is, it's kind of an obscure thing for most people. And saving grace is we are in Alabama, and you're supposed to play banjo if you live in Alabama.
0: <laughs> a banjo on your knee, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. But anyway, people would basically call me, then I would talk to them see what they wanted in a banjo give them recommendations and then then build the banjo and then hopefully everything turned out great and they would really like it and so i've never had one return, so that's good
0: <laughs> that's good so, well so are your customers more local or, or do you get calls from further away
1: in the beginning it was local after that You know, word just kind of spreads with the Internet, you know, of course, people on forums, things like Mm -hmm. that. So uh, then I would start getting orders from all over the country. Let's see. I think the farthest away would be, I think, Germany. That was an odd one. But in Germany, there's no old-time builders. So (laughs)
0: what
1: are you going to do? That's
0: right. Do you know how many you've made do you you keep all those records um
1: i wish you know some of the early stuff i don't know you know but then i i got the bright idea to just number them in order why not (laughs) so so
0: is it on the somewhere yeah i would i would
1: stamp each banjo uh, on the dowel stick so i think the last one i did was like 65 and then since then i've built two guitars guitars i think i'm just going to label them different that's a separate thing and I don't even know how many guitars I built prior to banjos I think I'll just put the year and the number of that year so I'm not planning on making very many a year maybe three or four so it would just be like you know 2019 number one 2019 number you know three four or whatever then in 2020 it would start over mm-hmm. 2020 you know number one number two. That's probably how I'll do the guitars. That way I can keep track of them. It'll be easier. I'll know the year and I'll know which one it was that year. Later on, you know, because I'll see some of my old banjos that, you know, I'm 41 now uh, that I made when I was 27, 28, but I don't really know because I don't, I didn't have a date on it. Right. You know, I just had a number, and uh, so I don't even know what year it was. So someone can't even say, "Hey, what? You know, when was my banjo made?" I didn't think, you know, fifteen years down the road, and you know, eventually it's going to be fifty years down the road. People are going to say, "When was this made?" Nobody knows. <laughs> well, you must
0: love doing it if you think you're going to be making them fifty years down the road. Well, this
1: was my retirement plan. Something I figured I would do, you know, once I retired from a job. So I just went ahead and just said, I'm going to give it a shot and we'll see how it goes.
0: How long does it take from the beginning to end to construct a banjo or a guitar?
1: Oh, well, each one of them is different, depending Mm -hmm. on how ornate the instrument is. I would say, you know, for me, something basic, you know, 15 to 20 hours. Something ornate could be, you know, 200 hours. Luckily I'm more on the uh, basic side of things. I just like that clean look. When I first started out, like I said earlier, I was trying to do a lot of inlay work. It takes a lot and then one day I built a real plain banjo for somebody and I was just like, you know that that just looks beautiful. I mean it's just as plain as can be, except for the woods, they're nice flamed, but there's no you know super inlay work all up and down the neck or any of that. so it's just like I like that look and and I've always just kind of liked that ever since then.
0: Well, I've seen photos of your banjos and they are are beautiful and, oh, I, and thanks. I will get to see your a guitar in a minute.
1: Oh, yeah, that's good too i'm I'm excited about the guitar building again, and then this time around it's not just uh, the woodwork. I'm starting to build pickups for them. Because the wonderful thing about having an apprentice is that they have ideas. They teach you a lot. One, they teach you how to teach better. That's been the wonderful thing over the last couple of years. I had a an earlier apprentice, Gabriel Akins, and that was wonderful. You know, it's like, okay, well, how do you explain something? How do you show somebody? And you have to think back to how you learned it. The cool thing is, is that when you teach somebody, what I found, and I probably any teacher probably knows this, but Somebody will do what you ask them to do and then figure out an addition on how to do that and, and say, well, and actually turn around and say, well, you could do it like this. And this is like, oh,
0: I never thought to do it that way.
1: It's, it's, it's fun to do that. Same way with pickups. Ethan already had some experience in winding pickups.
0: You might want to explain to her. Our- Radio oh, okay, well, a pickup a, is
1: a pickup, it, it's an electric guitar. So your pickup is what, when the string vibrates, is going to, the pickup is going to pick it up. And it's basically magnets. It's got a, a coil wrapped around it, and then that's what picks up the vibration of the string. It goes out to your amplifier, and then you hear the sound. So it's one of the electronic components of the guitar. I guess the heart of an electric guitar. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear it. So, yeah, when Ethan came, he was like, well, I've wound some pickups. I was like, you know what, I never have. And so he turning around showing me how to do stuff. And said, I've been having a great time with that. So it kind of goes back and forth, not to mention, like I was saying, it, you know, teaching is, is a fun thing to do.
0: Now, were both your apprentices also musicians? Yes. And do you think you need to? be a musician in order to build instruments and repair instruments
1: you're not going to have to be a good musician (laughs) i can attest to that (laughs) but you do want to be able to somewhat play that instrument because there's a lot of things that you're you're going to miss if you if you don't know how to play it now with that said i was trying to do woodwind repair in the beginning and i could not play. And I could do a fair job, but that's also why I don't do it now. Now I have enough work to where I can say, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like I'm qualified to do that because I have to have somebody else check my work because I'm not a player. So yeah, I think it is important that you're a player. You just don't have to be, you know, let the people who you're building instruments for be the professionals. (laughs) So...
0: So you grew up in a musical family, right? Yes, yes. Do you want to tell a little bit about, about your All right, well, family? my
1: aunts and uncles, they played on the Country Boy Eddie show, which is Eddie Burns' show. So that would be my granddad's first cousin. So that show was always on... Big country music family. Oddly enough, we didn't sit around and play music very much. I think when you get up at 3 a.m. to go play music and then you get home, you know, you usually are just kind of done. That's part of your job. And then they would go to their other job (laughs) and just keep going. And and when I think back, you know, playing in a band, I, I play in a band and I've always played in different bands my whole life. And we go out and we play Play bars, tour the country, do all sorts of stuff like that. Then never really, when we're home, sit around and play music because you're out doing it all the time. So, you know, people will say, "Oh, y'all miss to sit around and play music all the time." People ask us that here at the shop. It's like, "Oh, it'd be great to work in a music store. Don't y'all sit around and play with each other?" And I think I've actually sat down with Bob and played music with him maybe ten times in the last twenty years. And that's because we're always busy or we're excited about building something you know. (laughs) When I was in a touring band I remember my favorite part of touring was getting to the bar and breaking down the equipment pulling out the guitars and working on them and I liked actually playing but riding in a van for you know six to eight hours at a time always showing up to the same bar that's painted flat black and uh, you're the first person there so they open the door and it smells like stale cigarettes and vomit (laughs) it's just you know it's not the life for me but I knew when I was on tour that I couldn't wait to get back home to do do what I'm doing now so it's just just for me it was just the right choice plus those tests that you take when you're in uh, high school uh, that tell you what you're supposed to do. And I forgot about this until I got, I was, like, in my 30s, and my mom said, I got a whole, bunch, a whole folder I found at the house. You take stuff and stuff. And I was like, so it said I was going to be into artwork and bench work.
0: <laughs> and bench work is? Bench
1: work, yeah, like bench work. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I was like, well, I guess this is kind bench. of art, and then I'm sitting at a bench all day. Maybe that's right.
0: <laughs> your bands that you've played in are anything that people would have, I mean, like you're playing in one now, is there? Or, or not. Yeah, I'm actually
1: playing with the guys I used to play with a long time ago. This may be kind of a shock since I'm a banjo maker, but the band that I play in is a real heavy punk rock metal band, and I grew up in a country music family. So What band um, is it? Uh, the band's called Haste, H-A-S-T-E. We actually did a lot. We, uh, we put out three records. We actually had two videos come out. One was you know, they'd play them on MTV, not primetime, in the middle of the night, so nobody ever saw it. <laughs> and being in a band's tough to, to make a living at. It very fun. But, it, but it's been great because we all had kids, and then it's like one day we've decided, hey, why don't we get back together and, and start playing music again for fun. And so, yeah, I've had a good time. It's loud, a lot louder than I remember it. <laughs> but since then, I've, I've played a bunch of different things. Upright bass and country bands, banjo, uh, lap steel, which I'm terrible at. I do not even know why some of it asked me to do that, and I faked my way through that band. (laughs) Uh, So I've done a bunch of different stuff and uh, enjoy all of it.
0: Now, with all the musicians around in the the world and in Alabama, it seems like instrument repair would be a high-demand business, I guess. I mean, there's a high need for it, right? Yes. And are there enough people who know how to? Repair instruments? No.
1: <laughs> so here's the issue with it. It's hard for anybody who does this to take on an apprentice because that takes time. It just, it, it does. It takes a lot of time. Neither apprentices I, I would have taken if they weren't the kind of guys that are going to want to try to keep learning on their own without any help. So whether I'm there or not, they're going to figure it out. So that's the kind of person you're looking for. Someone that can troubleshoot, figure out how to do something, and even just come up with it on their own. With that said, there's not a lot of people that do this anymore because it's, it's, it's hard to get into because it's hard to find a way to learn. Also, when you're starting out, it's hard to make a living. Like right now, I stay, I mean, I can usually work six months. Uh, I'll have a six-month backlog, and then that's with me turning away jobs. Just that right there shows that there's a need for people to do this. There's not a lot of schools that teach you. And even if you go to school, you're gonna get out and you're still not gonna know how to do anything. You're gonna to go to school, you're gonna end up learning how to build a, like a guitar or build, you know, do some repair. But until you do it every day, you know, it's tough. So you, you need to go into a shop and and Yeah, I was listening to a podcast just the other day with um, other luthiers talking about they would get out of luthery school and then can't find a job because everybody that knows that you get out of school and then you're going to have to start learning then. That's when you actually start learning. At least you went to school and you got kind of a basic knowledge of it, built a guitar or two, but especially with repair, how can you teach that? You have to just live in it with somebody and uh so th- these programs like this it it helps out the apprentice, and, uh, apprenticeship yes program, yeah of yeah. course I mean it's it's that's amazing Ethan's it's here all year long you know so what that does is instead of just focusing on one just him sitting here doing repair that gives some funding to say let's stop what we're doing and let's move on to a next level uh let's you know we're going to buy all the materials to build a guitar. You don't have to worry about that. You know, all that's taken care of. And then we're going to pick out since you're here all year long, you know, this is the time allotted each week. We're going to do that. And then we're going to do it together. And then you get to do this, learn, I get to teach. I'll do it at the same time as you. And then I've made a product that I can sell. And then, so you figure out ways to, to make it, work uh, that way so it's been great
0: well i'm Wonderful. glad it's helping defray the cost of uh teaching someone and, and yeah it, it, it's
1: great it pays for the materials to do it so you don't have to worry about that part you just you know put in the time and and that's something that I, we're glad to do
0: how do you know when you've done a good job with a repair or a building i mean what shows you something as a good quality work workmanship
1: I, well when you're Like me personally when I'm finished repairing one or just when I see a repair that's done? Well, I guess I see what you mean. Uh, Well, we'll just go with the building. Everything that you just got finished building is probably the best thing you've ever done. So the next guitar I build will be better or the next banjo and the one after that will be better than that. And that's just the natural progression of it. Because every time you build, I don't care who you are, if you're doing this and you're building something by hand, every time you do something you think, I could tweak that a little bit, this could be better. You know, it could be, you know, just I wanna do something different with the finish. I wanna use, it, you know, I could have put two more coats on or maybe, you know, this, the neck could be slimmer. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of different variables here. So one thing that me, I mean, especially talking to Bob, he always said that too. He goes, the best thing you ever do is what you just got finished doing. And and he goes, it's always weird to me. He told me this when I was young, that people always are like, ooh, this was the, you know, the first guitar that so-and-so ever made. And it's like, oh, that's great. It's like, yeah, that's probably the worst one. (laughs) So, um, uh, so in the, in the, uh, uh, that probably didn't even answer your question. I mean, I know just uh, your eye gets better, you know, for, for repair. Like, I, I've been doing this 20 years now, so I'm not naive to think that I won't look back 10 years from now and say, you know, I may cringe at the the look of something that I built um, because, you know, I've seen some of my early, early stuff, you know, from when I was in my early 20s, it's like, ugh. And people still think it's beautiful. It's just like I could pick out a million things on here that's wrong. So um, I don't know. It's a tough one. You don't. It's hard to to know what a good. I mean, I know what a good job is when I see it, uh, but what that is is just. I guess attention to detail. And then you don't. Most people don't know those details. You know, you don't think about it because most people are sane. You know mm-hmm. when they pick up a guitar and play it. They're thinking about playing the guitar and singing their song. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to, like, I'm the kind of guy that will hold a hammer and hit a nail and then stop and look how the hammer was built. And the, you know, this is a beautiful handle. That That's great. This is a great grain. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, because what you're supposed to do with a hammer is drive a nail. You know, <laughs> so... uh but Yeah, I got way off on that that question. That,
0: so it's a lot about um your aesthetics and, and um how you try to strive toward quality and perfection. Yeah I think. What what brings you the most satisfaction in in your in your work? Oh
1: I don't know. Let's see. There's so much of it. You know, you've got you know, I have a hard time with – I, I, I want to make someone happy, you know, or everybody to like what they're, they're getting, whether it's a repair or something. So when you see someone happy about it, that's good. That's a degree reward. Um, I guess the correct answer would be getting paid. Hey, you know, we all need money. Um, <laughs> I honestly like being able to sit down at a bench – and just lose myself into, into something. You know, let's say you, when you open a book and you read a book and you get really involved into a story, that's the only thing I can say that it's kind of like, you can, you can lose yourself. That's not always a good thing because, you know, I, I've been married for 15 years. When I was younger, I used to do a lot of work at home after work, but you know, that can be issues. You know, so you have got to really say, this is when you need to stop. You know, I've, I've got two kids now, and uh, that's the only two. That's the only shots I'm going to get. So, I've I, I really, I could be the guy if you let me to literally work a an 18-hour day, but that's just not healthy. And uh, so you just have to cut it off. You know, and then, and then, you know. Don't lose sight of what's actually around you, in life. That's what's important. Not the job. Not doing all this. You know, um, this is what we love to do. People love it. You got musicians, art, but it's 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 a. I'm just saying. Basically, I'm the kind of guy that I don't even know where I went with that. <laughs> You're talking <laughs> just about kind of getting lost in your
0: yeah, in your work.
1: Yeah. But that's what I describe. It that's my favorite part is actually just being able to sit down and get lost in it. Um,
0: so Did you pass on the, that those philosophies also to your apprentices, or do they lo- learn that on their their own? Oh,
1: I try yeah. to tell them. I, <laughs> I try to let them know anything I can. You know, anything from uh, uh, guitar building to having relationships with people. You know, I mean how to things you know, mistakes I've made or, or whatever. Um so uh but Bob used to always do that with me, he would sit there. You know, he still does. I mean he's still in the shop, so you know. And the business
0: side of things also?
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh he runs all the sales, I do all the repair building. Uh he doesn't build concertinas much anymore. Time's always an issue. And um so and he still repairs. He's still behind a bench every day, but He's uh, gotten really into photography, um, so uh, I'll show you some of his, his stuff before you leave. It's uh, hanging all over the place. It started with photographing guitars, and then end up now people just come to the shop to get their their photographs made, and, and uh, or <laughs> to uh, he. Started, you know, you had humans in New York. And he started humans at Homewood. So there's all sorts of. He's got his own Instagram page. He takes pictures of people and animals and everything. It's, it's been great. He's a wealth of knowledge on oh. everything. <laughs>
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Well, um, well, speaking of f- photos, you had a uh, we we sent a photographer uh, Sydney Foster to uh-huh. the shop to take a photo of you because we are about to have a um, exhibition in our gallery um, of all the folk arts apprenticeship master artists. And um, your guitar will be in the show, and that will be at the Alabama State Council on the Arts Gallery, um, I believe November through the probably early January of 2020, but November of 2019 through 2020, and that will be... in honor of the state bicentennial and so there'll be a big day on the 14th of December um, where there'll be lots of activities in downtown Montgomery and um, one of the events or offerings will that will be that our gallery will be open and people can come in of course they can come in anytime but that will be the big the big day oh that's great so um, I would like to Thank you so much for your time. and. Um, I know.
1: It's my pleasure, and thank you. Uh, this, 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 is, this whole experience in the last three years has been, been wonderful. Every time I get an email from you, I'm like, hey, that's Ann. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm
0: glad to finally um, meet you and, and have a good conversation and, and find out more details about what you have done and do every day.